What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? This is PC, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Our guest today is an educator from Monrovia High School out in California. He was the 2012 Jocelyn's Renaissance Educator of the Year and the 2013 Monrovia Unified Teacher of the Year. Please welcome Mr. Paul Doss. Paul, how's it going, brother? Phil, man, it is good to talk to you. I am honored and, and beyond excited to be talking with you today. Well, we're glad to have you on here, man. Before we get started, we're going to go to a pop quiz. Are you ready? Absolutely. Bring it. All right. Here we go. Favorite movie? Uh, Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Favorite, Dodgeball. favorite musical artist or band? Uh, I am completely and totally enamored by the Zac Brown Band and Ed Sheeran currently. I love it. Those are awesome. Two great selections there. Uh, favorite food? I am a transplant in California from the beautiful state of Maryland, and I still will sit down and eat a Maryland steamed blue crab any moment of the day. There you go. Favorite vacation destination? I am going to have to go with where we were this summer. We toured through Yellowstone National Park this summer, along with a bunch of other places, and it was fantastic up there. And last one, favorite holiday? Thanksgiving by far. Love eating. Love. I'm, I'm very skilled at eating. I love eating, but the, the concept behind Thanksgiving and, and being thankful for all the blessings that we have um, makes it totally easy for me to embrace that holiday. That's super cool. And it's right around the corner, too. It'll be here before it's, we know it. It's coming. I'm training. I'm training for it. I'm ready. It's right. right? It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like October's almost already over. And I'm just I like, know. Where, where does the time even go, you know? It's nuts. In our, in our line of work, things go very fast. That's very true, man. You got it exactly right. All right. So talk a little bit about your history as an educator and how you got to this point in your educational career. Sure, sure. Um, I have been a teacher now. This is my 23rd year in the classroom, um, 21 years here at Monrovia High School. Um, I kind of always knew I wanted to do this. It was from basically the sixth grade on, I had made up my mind that I thought teaching was going to be my path. Um, I had some really great teachers at the elementary and middle school level. Uh, got to high school and was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, I always kind of envisioned that I was going to you know, teach history and coach basketball and kind of followed that path and, and then got married and realized how much time coaching would take away from my family and my life and kind of put that away. Um, I'm a social studies teacher by trade. So that means, you know, I've, I get to teach the stuff that I love. I have a degree in history. Um, and so it was, it was a blessing. I got hired at a middle school in Northridge straight out of, of grad school and spent two years at Nobel middle school, um, post earthquake years at Nobel middle school and um, really loved it and was really, I mean, I, I walked into a great position and great teaching situation, but my heart was pulling me towards Monrovia. My wife got hired as an elementary teacher out here and, and uh, an opening popped up at Monrovia High School and I walked in and, and sold myself as, a, as somebody who loves kids and, and wants to make a difference and was lucky enough to get hired um, really to start a peer mentoring program here. And, and become a social studies teacher. And it's hard to believe, but that was two decades ago. And my life is, has continued to change and evolve. And Jocelyn's Renaissance came into it and in 2004 when it started here. And I became the coordinator uh, when Jennifer Jackson became an administrator. And 
I was handpicked to take it and run with it. And in 2008, I did that and I haven't looked back. That's awesome, man. Just fantastic stuff. And so just from listening to you, you can tell you have a special place in your heart for kids and especially for those kids that are labeled as at risk because you were actually one of those kids yourself. And so talk a little bit about your personal experience growing up and what led you to your calling as an educator. You know, it's it's interesting because I never really thought of myself as at risk until this summer when I put together the, the Renaissance talk I did at the national conference and, and kind of realized after talking to some folks um, that, yeah, I really was at risk. I mean, I didn't have all the standard check boxes that you put for an at risk kid. I, you know, I come from a, a family that, that had both parents and was lucky enough to have them throughout my entire adolescent life. And they loved me and, and really focused me, uh, never really exposed to drugs and alcohol and, and gangs or anything like that. My at risk came because we picked up and moved across country right before my freshman year of high school. Um, and it sent me for a loop and, I think so many of our kids are are not necessarily labeled as at risk, but when you look at a teenager, I think they all are. And I think that it's it's hard to understand that for a lot of people. And I think it's um, the desire to to see a kid for who they are. Um, you know, and, and I talked a little bit about it this summer. It was it was very very difficult for me to make that transition in ninth grade especially such a hard year for kids, so walking around a high school campus and seeing those kids struggle through that year of transition to a much bigger world, you know my heart breaks for them, and and it really spurred me on. I really had no concept of of teaching ninth grade, um, it wasn't my my calling I didn't think, um, but the reality is it really was. And in the last four years, I've had a chance to spend time with those ninth graders and and really try to develop relationships and see every kid for, for who they are. Because there's there's no such thing in my brain as a bad kid. You know, every kid has got stuff going on. And once I got past my own ego of what do you mean you didn't do my homework and you get down and you ask a kid what's going on and you get to hear their story um, and you realize that as an educator, our job is to bring them knowledge, but it's also to help them grow and, and, and become the best person they can be. And sometimes I think we've lost that focus when we get caught up in the test scores or we get caught up in our, a class ranking and we forget that these kids are writing their stories every day. That's awesome, man. I, I just love it. And like you were talking about the, the Ren talk that you did this summer, just phenomenal. Like, you know, I, can, Thanks, I, was, I, I was sitting there and I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm just like, this is amazing. And, and I knew that you were amazing before that. But like those 10 to 15 minutes that you had there on stage, just like just hit me right in the heart. And I just Thanks, I, I, I can't tell you enough how much that meant to me. And I know how much it meant to so many other people in the audience there that day, too. That's cool. Yeah, it was it was I was terrified. I love talking in front of people. I, I could love, I could envision myself doing that at some point in my life and, and get out there and do what you and, and Mike Smith are doing. Um, but I was terrified. I was, and I was last, which was even worse, but um, you know, having to follow Wolf and, and your wife and, and you know, then you follow that wonderful 18 year old Kelty out onto the stage and man, she's 18 and she wasn't even using the prompter. And, <laughs> but once you start talking from your heart and, and you, you realize, and you know this better than most man, it's, it's, it's what we do. It's what we love. And, and you can't help it. You can't help it. 
Well, you crushed it, man. And so staying, staying along those same lines, one of the biggest challenges for educators is reaching those kids that are labeled as at risk. And so what advice or suggestions would you offer to other educators to increase their chances of being successful? You know, it's, you can't teach it. I, I think I, I look back to the, to the years that, that we spend, you know, in our teacher prep programs and our credential programs and, and you can teach educational psychology till the cows come home, but until you sit down and, and talk to a kid and know a kid, it's not going to matter. You, you, it, it's, it's coming at them from where they're at. And I think that's the advice I give to, to teachers when they ask me that question, when they, when they come to me and ask me about a kid. And, and then when I go and ask those same questions, because I think I sometimes forget it too. What, if you look at a kid and they're acting out or they're in trouble or they're, or they're getting in a fight or they're not coming to school, why? What's going on with that kid at home? What's going on with that kid in their personal life? Um, what obstacles are they facing? And, you know, these kids today are, they're facing so many things that, that we didn't even imagine, you know, when, when I was in high school almost 30 years ago now. I, I never thought about, you know, school shootings. I never thought about um, terror attacks. It just just that, that those little things alone that, that are much bigger in our world today these kids think about all the time and, and that alone, not to mention what's going on in their personal lives and trying to figure out who they are as a person. That's my biggest goal for, for my colleagues and for me and, and for anyone who's in this profession is you have to develop a relationship with these kids. And it, it's more than them sitting down in front of you for an hour and then sending them out the door to their next class. You have to be willing to be open to them and share your life with them. What's going on with you. And when they see you open up, they're more inclined to be willing to open up to you. And there's so much you have to sift through with kids to get to who they are deep down in their heart that it's, you know, Steve, Steve Wolf's book, you know, the heart to heart teaching is, is, is so true that it's way more important than teaching them algebra or, or geography or, you know, the social sciences that I teach. I love it. I, I could talk history all day long, but in, in their lives, it's so much more important that these kids know somebody loves them and wants the best for them and, and wants them to dream and do everything you can to get those dreams come true. But it's baby steps. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's just getting them to come to class. And now they've come to class and there's a pen in their hand. All right, that's, that's the next step. Uh, but, but getting them there and, and knowing that you're invested in them, not just for the time that they're in your class, but for the rest of their lives. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that when you and I sit down and, and you get to talk to a kid 10 years later and, and you see him and you go, whoa. Okay. And they tell you, hey, you, you know, you may not know this, but had you not been there, I don't know. And that's when this job becomes like the best thing in the world. So true, man. And you talked about the relationships and you talked about making yourself vulnerable. And I think that was a big, you know, the light switch turning on moment for me was when I began to put myself out there and, it, and talk to my right. kids about I failed. I failed in all aspects of my life. And then when they, right, start to, yeah. Yeah, they start to see that, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, maybe this guy is okay. Maybe he does really care about who I am as a person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's hard. Yeah, it is. It, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's like you said, it's not something that they can teach us. Um, you know, they don't talk about it in college, any of our classes or anything like that. It's just kind of a learn on the fly kind of thing. And you try to do the best that you can with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you've been at Monrovia High School for 21 years. How do you maintain your positivity, 
keep yourself from falling into the trap of the, you know, the mundane redundancy and boredom after being yeah. at the same place for so long? It's when you, when you break it down to the lowest common denominator of what we do and it's about the kids, it's easy to not be bored. Um, it's easy to, to remind yourself of, of why it is what you do. Um, the positivity piece is hard. I think it's, it's so much easier to be negative. I talk to my kids about this all the time, whether it's my Renaissance kids or, or it's my regular classroom kids, being negative is way easier. And, and it's sometimes you fall into that trap and, and when you get tired and we're, we're in kind of in that chunk of time now where we haven't had a day off in a long time and veterans day is still, it's a couple weeks away, but it feels like it's eons away. Um, and, you know, trying to stay positive and, and realize that the kids feed off of you is, is one of the ways that you try to do it. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have a, a wife who reminds me of how important it is to stay positive. And my own two children remind me of that. And then you get to school and you've got Renaissance kids that you've invested three or four years of your life in who, you know, they seem to remember everything that you say but they want to turn it around on your life so that they can remind you, Hey, do you remember the positivity challenge? And, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was more for you guys, but thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> um, so it's, it's good to have people holding you accountable and, and thinking because everybody, there's reasons to be negative. We all go through stuff. And, you know, one of the things I always tell my students is I need you to know I'm human and there are days that I'm going to be angry and there's days that I'm going to be sad and, that doesn't take away my commitment to what I'm trying to do. And, and when they get that and when they see that, there's value. There's value in them seeing those emotions in you too because I think kids a lot of times forget that human side of life. That just like I don't know what's going on in their lives at home, they have no idea what's going on with me. And I think we were taught, I, I know I was taught in, in, in our teacher school that, um, you know, well, don't let them smile, let, let them see a smile before Christmas and, and, and that kind of stuff. And it just told, turns out it was total nonsense that if, if that was the case, then I wouldn't have a lock on these kids and, and I wouldn't have their hearts until after Christmas. And, and that's way too late. They need to, they need to realize that, you know, life is great. It's a great chance and a great opportunity. And, and you try to do that every day. And then when you don't and you get called out on it, you're like, oh, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Because life is really good. We, we live in a great place. We, you know, there's people all over the country hopefully hearing this. I'm in Southern California. You know, it's 70 degrees today. Kids are walking around saying how cold they are. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of sad. That's so true, <laughs> man. So true. It's all about perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For so sure. in 2012, you were named as the Jocelyn's Renaissance Educator of the Year. Talk a little bit about what that award meant to you personally and then to your school as a whole. You know, it's everybody wants to be recognized for what they do to be celebrated. It, it, it's a it's just kind of an, an, an innate thing in us that if, if people tell us you're doing a good job, it kind of builds you up. And in, in 2012, it was, you know, I was shocked. For, first of all, it was just a really weird thing to have the, the, the head of Jocelyn's Renaissance calling you in the middle of third period. And, and they were testing. So I was on the phone whispering and, and, and I'm like, wait, what? Um, for, for me personally, it was, it was a, you know, an affirmation that, that what I'm doing was getting noticed by the folks out here that, that nominated me for that award um, to be recognized by, by a group of people that I respect so much um, with Joss's Renaissance. And, you know, they're a second family. 
Um, and, you know, we're, we're part of a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood of, of, of educators who believe the same thing and, and want to fight to change our world. So it's, it's a, that was incredible. And to be able to go up on stage and, you know, that year I was standing between two Medal of Honor winners. And as a social studies teacher, to, to be given that award with two gentlemen who gave their all for this country is shocking. And it was like surreal at the time. And I look back on it now and I go, my gosh, that was insane that that happened. Um, you know, anytime you can get recognition for your school, uh, for your programs um, is awesome. You know, it was it was certainly celebrated here in Monrovia at the Board of Ed and, and my school you know, made a big deal about it. But ultimately, you know, what it was for me was it was a validation of my kids and and what they do in this program and, and what they do for this school. I, I tell people whenever they ask, hey, what do you do? I said, well, I facilitate greatness. Um, it's it's not me. I, I don't think of this stuff. It's kids coming back with ideas and then me staying out of their way and maybe taking a little bit of credit for it at the end. But it's it's there. These I have great kids, man. And and they they blow me away every day with with ways big and small that they want to change the culture of our school and the community that they live in and and the world as a whole. And so that that award for me was like, cool. That's that's a validation to me, but more importantly, it's a validation of my kids and, and and how they are so great at what they do. You facilitate greatness. I just absolutely love that. That is like you can hit, steal it. That hits you can it, steal it. <laughs> right? right. I'm, I'm tweeting it right now. Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. No, that's awesome. I love it. So you guys do so many cool things at Monrovia. You've got the sign on the line activity that provides the opportunity for all students to have a signing day, not just your athletes, but like every single student can have their, their personal signing day. You also do a three minute Thursday video that you put on YouTube that I absolutely love. Talk about, you know, one or two of your favorite things that you guys do at Monrovia and what makes them so special. You know, it's, it's again, because, because the kids come up with some of this stuff and then, you know, we always like to say we never create, we just steal people's ideas and make them our own. Um, that sign on the line thing is one of my favorite things to do. And it, you know, I, I don't know if other schools did it before we did it, but the the desire of, of celebrating all of our kids, not just the, the kids who are the gifted athletes on our campus, because they deserve that recognition too. And, and, you know, having the desire to take that and, and turn it into something a little different where, we're celebrating kids at lunchtime from March on who are making that uh, that huge commitment to go on to school or to serve in the military and serve our country or the JCs you know, or the trade schools. You know, it, it started out, honestly, as we're celebrating four-year schools. And then some of my kids came back and said, Mr. Dolls, what about the military people? What about these kids who are going off to these tech schools and, and chasing their dreams? And I'm like, again, thanks for, for pointing that out. Thanks for calling me out on that because it's it's true. It's these kids' dreams is what we're trying to celebrate. And so that's one of the, the things I love doing. It, it's a tremendous amount of work for the kids to put it together. Um, it gets busy because kids take so darn long to make their decisions. Um, so May is insane here at Monrovia High School. It's just about every day at lunch we're out there. We're celebrating kids and, and bringing their parents on campus and bringing you know board members and staff down to celebrate them. And that's really cool. Uh, honestly, my one of my favorite things of the year is something we call the People's Choice Awards where we challenge a staff member, any staff member that we have, whether it's classified staff, part of our, any part of our staffily, um, to pick one kid to celebrate for anything you want. And we bring that kid and their parents here to an evening event, and it's the simplest thing in the world. A teacher stands up in the auditorium 
And for two and a half minutes, they talk about that kid. And they bring the kid and they stand next to him. There are so many tears from the kids, from the teachers, from their parents. Um, and it's just a simple way for a, a staff member to say to a kid, you've been important to me. You've done a great job. This is why you're getting this award. And sometimes the simplest things are the most important things. And, you know, I challenge our faculty to pick kids who aren't always chosen. You know, if you want to pick your highest ranked kid, that's cool. I, I, I respect that. But so many of our folks are turning their attention towards those kids who are struggling and who are fighting and are persevering and displaying that, you know, the catchword of the of the year. They're displaying that grit um, that that is becoming a, a yearly event where more and more of our staff are participating. And, and, you know, I had a teacher come up to me who had never done it. We've done it now for nine years and a, a teacher who had never participated. And he did it for the first time this past year. And he stopped me as we were going to the park lot in tears. And he just said. I'm sorry, I've never done this before. And I will be here every year until I retire. And that right there was like, nice. Okay, that we've clicked. And when we can click with, with our staff and our kids on the same night with the same thing, and literally it cost us zero dollars. Um, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. That's awesome, man. And like you said, it's such a powerful thing for the kids. But then when you have an adult, that has that aha moment too. Yeah. Like you can't put a price tag on that because all no. of a sudden their whole mindset shifts towards how they look at education and how they look right. at kids, you know, like it's just, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. From an outsider's perspective, one of the things that I love the most about your school is the sense of like family and belonging that I see just through social media um, where, you know, everyone, regardless of their ethnicity or their cultural background, they all seem like they belong and they get in and they've got that family atmosphere. And so in today's society, the way that it is, how do you create that sense of belonging? And then how do you maintain that in your schoolhouse? Man, I wish we could we could have a formula for that. We would be very very wealthy men. Um, it's it's hard. It's we we do have a family atmosphere. You know, Monrovia sits in a in a community in the foothills of Southern California. We're not in LA. We're you know we're about thirty miles north of it. Um, it's a tight knit community. It's got a very small town feel. It was one of the things that attracted um, us to the community in the first place. Was you know everybody kind of knows everybody and they've gone to school together. And, you know, it's always funny because kids always swear, I can't wait to get out of Monrovia. I can't wait to get out of Monrovia. And then they go to college and they come back and they're still here. And and now their kids are coming in my classroom saying, Hey, you had my mom taught my mom in 19, whatever. I'm like, Oh, great. Um, but it, that is a natural kind of way to build the community is it, it, it builds itself. Um, and, you know, we're not immune to the same problems that other schools have and, you know, there's always conflicts and there's racial conflicts and there's all kinds of stuff that go on. But at the at the very bottom and at the core, we're all the same. And trying to teach kids that and, and teach kids to see the commonalities that they have rather than their differences. We just did an activity the other day um, where, you know, I had them try and talk to somebody in the class they didn't know or didn't know very well and, and share some of the things they have in common. And I ended it with with them, with me explaining to them that our world spends way too much time looking at our differences and nowhere near enough time looking at what we have in common. And the reality is we have way more in common with each other as, as human beings than we do differences. And yet our leaders in our world spend so much time pointing out everything that's different and, and why we're different. And we need to shift that. 
And, and the only place it starts is with our kids. It's not going to start with the adults in our world. It's too late for them. It's got to start with our kids. And I, I tell my, my students, especially my freshman kids, almost every day, you're the start. This is where the change starts. I said, three years from now, you're going to be seniors. How are you going to be different than you are today? What are you seeing that you want to be different? And, and that's where it starts. And if it starts, it can start in Monrovia. It can start at every school. And I don't think we're unique. I think there are educators everywhere that see this and, and feel the same way. And it's just a constant battle to, to help the world change their viewpoint. And it's a shift that's hard to accomplish because so many people want to focus on the negative of things. And, you know, social media is a great tool, but sometimes it feels like those of us who are fighting on the positive side of, of, of social media are fighting a, a, a losing battle because everything that you and I tweet out about the greatness in people is countered by a hundred people tweeting out all the negative. And it's, it's a battle that I'm never going to stop fighting. I know you won't either. And it's, it's, it's something that brings me great joy, but it also brings me a lot of sadness because it's, the world's a sad place and people don't look at, at what we have in common in an attempt to build something really special. You're exactly right, man. And I always tell people, you know, we've got the kids from eight to three, but then when three o'clock gets here, they have to go back to whatever it is that, that's their reality, you know, yeah. and, and we yeah. don't know what that is all the time and what they're, what they're influenced by at their, at their home life and all that good stuff. And so that can be tough. And like you said, it can be discouraging, but I just think you just got to maintain that positivity. I think that social media in that regard helps in that we can reach them outside of eight to three now. Um, right. So in that regard, right. you know, that, that is a positive with it. But you're right. It, it's a, every day is a battle and you've got to wake up with that mentality of I'm going to bring it and I'm going to keep coming every single yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. The kids get a little, you know, like, what are you going to talk to me about now? What are you going to say now? And I'm like, I'm going to say the same thing. You've got greatness inside of you. We just need to find it. We just need to find it. And I'm not going to stop. You, you're going to have to drop my class if you want to stop hearing this. <laughs> That's great, man. So let's say that there's a young man or a young woman that is trying to decide upon their career choice and they're debating on entering the education profession. What advice would you give them and what are like the pros and cons of being a teacher, would you say? It's the greatest profession in the world. That's the first thing I always say. There's no, I, I can't think of any more rewarding profession than, than what we do. Um, you know, if they want to be financially rich, they may not want to go this way. That's probably not going to happen. But beyond that, the 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 obvious perk for me is you get to change kids' lives. You can have you have no idea the impact that you're having on people um, until you're you know ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. You know, Steve will share that on a podcast with you a while back about um, the head coach from Kansas talking about you know how great his men are 25 years from now. That's how he's going to measure them. I was blown away by that quote. I even used it in a talk I gave at our church. I was like, that is so true to what we do that if, if you're all about seeing results right away, then education is not the place for you. But what we do is we grow people. We, we attempt to grow people into the greatest possible human beings they can be. And if, if that is something that people are interested in doing, this is the perfect place for them to be. I always also tell them, look, you need to have a thick skin. Um, you're going to have your soul cut in pieces almost every day. 
And, and usually it's not even intentional. And a kid will say something and you're like, wow, that really hurt. I'm not going to let him see how much that hurt, but that really hurt. And, <laughs> and you just have to, you have to be able to bounce back from it. And you have to realize that, yeah, you're changing the world, but it's like those baby steps that I talked about a little while ago. You're not going to see the end result of what you're doing most of the time. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a kid come back and tell you the impact that they've had on you, or they send you a message on Facebook or on Twitter and say, Hey, just want to know how much you to know how much I appreciate you. Those moments are the awesome moments in, in a, in a day or in a week. Um, but it is hard. It is a hard job. And I always tell people, you know, you never, you never tire of hearing them tell you how you only work six months out of the year and you get those three months off at summer and, oh, that's a two and a half week break. And now you get a week off at Thanksgiving too. Boy, you don't work very much, do you? Um, those folks are always, they always make me smile. Um, and I, I come home and at night and I go, yep, I guess I'm off. It's three o'clock. So I guess I'm not working anymore. And then I start grading papers. And, and uh, you know, and, and high school teachers, I always think high school teachers have it the easiest. I, I, I'm married to an elementary school teacher, man. She never stops working. Um, I, I go to bed way before she does. And, and I, I marvel at what the folks who teach our, our little ones do, because that's, that's the, the grunt work of, of laying the foundations for what we do in the high school level is, is our, our elementary and middle school teachers. Um, the last thing I always tell people, Phil, is that it's a calling. It's, it's just not, it's not a job. It's not, you know, I don't even call it a career anymore. Um, you, you do it for as long as you can do it and, and you give everything you have every day. And that's, that's how you measure the successful teacher. And, and I like to measure myself by that standard. If I'm not tired, then I didn't do my job. And, and that's the goal. That's the goal. So true, man. And so you said you've been doing this for, you've been teaching for 23 years now. Like how much longer do you see yourself doing this? I can't imagine stopping. I just actually had a, a meeting with my, uh, my financial advisor earlier this week to talk you know, oh, the future. And my, my son's a sophomore in college and he's got a couple years left and my daughter's a junior in high school. And, and, you know, the emptiness is coming for my wife and I, but we both love what we do and, and we both see it the same way. We, you know, it's like you and Tara, it's a calling. It's, it's, it's how we approach our lives. And we will, you know, we've gone into our careers understanding that, that we, have an impact on people. And, you know, one of the greatest things about teaching together in Monrovia is, you know, she gets them when they're little, she's a second grade teacher now, and she taught kindergarten for a long time, but now I'm getting her kids. And so, you know, we've known these families and these kids since they were five and six years old. And, and now they're rolling in here as, you know, hormonal 14 and 15 year olds. And, and it's a different experience, but it's, you know, it's so rewarding. I, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, if, if, you know, something comes along and, and I can combine what I'm doing with, with going out and, and, and talking to folks about what I think really needs to happen in education. I could see myself doing something like you're doing, but I love the classroom on a daily basis. I love coming to work. And I've always said the day I, the way, the day I stop hating it, I'm sorry, the way I, the day I stop loving it, let's go back with that. The day I stop loving it is the day I stop teaching. Um, there's too much joy here. There's too much, you know, when, when kids are happy to see you, um, that just lifts your soul. And so, I mean, I turn 46 next week. Everyone says, oh, 60 is the magic number. 
I don't have a magic number, man. <laughs> I'll go until either someone tells me you should probably stop doing this or, um, you know, I, 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 I collapse, I guess. There you go, man. What about administration? You ever think about going into administration? I get asked a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a question that I get asked. It would involve going back to school, which is just daunting for me to, to go back and start taking classes again at this point in my career. Um, and I like the day-to-day classroom interaction with kids. It's, it's something that I, I could do. I, I do love the idea of, of being able to have my own school and be responsible for my own school and, and, and kind of taking it the direction that I want. But the politics, I think, would probably drive me crazy. And, you know, I work for great people and, and my admin has always supported my vision of what we're trying to do with the Renaissance program. And, you know, I, I get treated incredibly well. Um, so I don't, I don't ever see that happening, but I've also been taught from a very young age to never say never and, uh, and see where we go. You're exactly right. So you guys have so many cool things going on at Monrovia. I know it's going to be hard to choose just one, but what are you most excited about for this school year? So it's going to sound like because you and I are talking, I'm sucking up a little bit, but we're bringing you and Mike Smith here in January. And we're excited about all the things that we normally do. And we've added some new recognitions this year, but to bring you and Mike to our campus for a tour stop, um, and, you know, I'm selfishly lucky enough to call you guys my friends and be able to showcase my campus to, to a couple of people I really respect and love is going to be awesome. But to be able to bring you to Monrovia and to have that message that is carried on that tour here in our community with just not just our school and our middle schools, but with all the schools in this area who are going to show up, that is what we are fired up about, um, maybe more than anything else this year. Is, is that one day and that one moment where, where I get to take a mic and introduce the two of you guys and say, buckle up because you are about to be blown away. Um, it's going to be very, very cool. And, and January cannot get here soon enough. I mean, we've got, we've got a couple of things going on between now and January, but um, January 16th is going to be a blast. And, and then we're doing our rally two days later, a Renaissance rally two days after you guys leave. So uh, that that middle of January is going to be quite an experience in the city of Monrovia. I love it, man. That's going to be so awesome. And I'm super yeah. excited about it too. The 16th, that's actually the day after my birthday. So we'll have to do a little birthday celebration. Oh, we're, we're, we've already begun planning that. Don't, there, don't there you, you worry go. about that. There you <laughs> go. And so my number one question for this tour stop in Monrovia is like, do you have a good taco shop out there somewhere? <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because Sarah Callie and I were talking about that at the care conference this week that we got to find a place for you to get your tacos. I'm on it. We, if we don't find one here, we will bring it to you, man. We, we will take care of that. Don't worry. I love it. I love it. It's going to be awesome, man. Well, Paul, I can't say thank you enough for your time here this morning. I think the absolute world of you. I know that I'm not alone when I say that. I love you. I know my wife loves you. It's obvious that your kids love you as well. And the, the impact that you make on education is one of those things. It's like you said, you'll never know the true impact that you've made on so many lives. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for what you do for so many people. Right back at you, man. It's, uh, it's been a thrill to just sit and talk with you and catch up. We haven't really ch- chatted much since July. Um, and the feeling's mutual. You and, you and Tara are incredible people. And the ability, and that's one of the best things about Jocelyn's Renaissance, man, is, is it brings people into your life that you would never have met. 
um, who are, are like-minded souls. And, you know, you're my brother and I love you and I can't wait to see you. And we will uh, we'll get back at it. But keep fighting the fight. Sounds awesome, man. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks so much for tuning in. Chase your dreams, kids.